good news, John. It uh, looks like we survived free agency as uh, contracts might have been up at three down nation. Who knows? Or if any, either of us were to do a bonus, <laughs> we weren't cut and uh, we're still here for another week. Well, uh, we've now made it three weeks, uh, although we have been called definitely the least credible reporters on Three Down Nation. I've never two claimed of, to be a reporter on Three least. Down Nation. Remember, two oh, of the okay. least, Okay, so fair. that means there's... There is potentially people <laughs> that... less credible than us. Uh, I'm going to go, well, not less credible than me. Maybe I, I wouldn't even say less credible than you. I'm kind of the bottom of the barrel here. I just kind of come in, make the talkie, and... Uh, Apparently, I'm not very credible, and I, I don't strive to be, but hey, that just means people are listening. If people say we suck, that means they're listening. Yeah, absolutely, and we're just going to kind of get right into it this week. It's been a very busy week in the CFL, of course. I mean, it's free agency 2018. A whole lot has happened, but mm-hmm. I think the most interesting thing to happen in Saskatchewan this week, without a doubt, was more so who's out rather than who's in. There's, there's a lot we can get to about who's in and who's coming back between Dan Clark and Spencer Moore and finally Zach Evans and all that. But the biggest news, number one, had to be the weird timing of the release of Hinoch Muamba. Yeah, I, I would say, you, you think, especially with, with the Riders going out and getting Sam Hurl, I thought, okay, well, they're definitely going Canadian at linebacker. They're going to have Muamba backed up by by Hurl, let Cameron Judge grow into the role. It's going to be a real nice kind of depth spot there. And all of a sudden, out goes Hinoch Mwamba after free agency has almost start, uh, has already started. You almost wonder if it wasn't their ability to get Sam Hurl that made them change the game plan, like almost on the fly. Because you think if you're going to let Mwamba go, you would have done a, a long time ago before free agency started, before you paid him anything in the offseason. So I was intrigued by the move. Uh, maybe the writers have seen something from Cameron Judge or Sam Hurl that the rest of us just haven't. But um, that's definitely the one I, I definitely don't agree with. I think uh, letting go Hinoch Mwamba is a, is a bit of a mistake, especially when, and to not jump the gun too bad, but, I mean, you've also lost guys like Otha Foster from that defensive, uh, that defense that was so good last year. Yeah, I, I think it's the timing of everything that really intrigues me the most about this move because, yes, he was already given the bonus this year. And so now you essentially yeah. have dead cap on your space for no reason where if you thought, okay, we need some money going forward because we know we're going to try and make some moves in free agency, then, well, maybe you should release him in January. Now that that's, that sets off the whole contract yeah. thing, which is something that's happening both ways here for sure. And so it's intriguing, but you know I understand the cap reasons for it because he's making north of $200,000 a year. They've signed a lot of guys. They yeah. brought back some guys. Money had to be freed up. And they did that with Derek Dennis as well, but that was also a slash performance. So the, the mm-hmm. Wamba thing is extra surprising because he did play really well last year. And so it's kind of hard to understand that maybe they could have freed up some money elsewhere, maybe let go of a few other different guys where you can bring in cheaper draft picks or maybe some Americans and, you know, and maybe in higher profile backup kind of spots. I don't know. I mean, we're not mm-hmm. in the room. We don't have the full cap picture. So maybe this was the easiest way to do it. But it was a strange thing, especially when if, if right now they're going to stick. I mean, it doesn't they if they're going to stick at a Canadian at middle linebacker, which I would be surprised if they did at this point, because. I just I don't think Sam hurls that quality. He's he's a pro. No, he's a special teamer. He yep. can he can pinch hit. He can you know maybe work in a few different schemes, but he's not a starting middle linebacker. And we've seen that since his first time here in Saskatchewan. Frankly, 
and, and his entire career in Winnipeg. You could also, Winnipeg went out and paid him to be a starting middle linebacker, and he never really performed like one his entire time with the Blue Bombers. So they get him, they cut Enoch Mwamba. The Derek Dennis thing, I'm with you there, Joel. Yeah. I, I completely agree. He just seemed like it wasn't quite a great fit. He got outplayed, you know, and when you're an American making that kind of money playing along the offensive line, you know, one poor season, and, and that's kind of it. I still think Derek Dennis is going to be very good in this league. Yeah. I just think that it, it's going to be after a bit of a salary reduction. And he's already acknowledged as much. Calgary's getting themselves one great player. Um, but yeah, we with Sam Hurl, he's never really been of the starting caliber. I know he did a good job once he was, you know, downgraded in Winnipeg to, to be the guy that if a Canadian goes down elsewhere, he could kind of come in and fill in. But it's just a mystery. Like, it's it's a cutting off your nose to bite your face. But I think one move they made that made it clear that maybe they've given up on a Canadian at middle linebacker. And that to me is bringing in Jerome Messam because now you're able to start a Canadian running back, which is so exceptionally rare in this league. Yeah, that plays into it as well. And I think the other key acquisition, especially if you relate it to the defense, and what we're going to talk about in terms of where they might go Canadian, is clearly Zach Evans. Because now you maybe you start an American yes. middle linebacker. We don't know who that is. So that Canadian spot on defense now shifts to starting defensive tackle, which the Zach Evans situation, the signing, is one is a, a writing of a wrong that happened four years ago and frankly never should have happened in the first place. It was the expansion draft yes. in Ottawa, and I still can't understand why they let Zach Evans unprotected in the second round. Keith Shulligan, we scratched our heads at the time, and it seemed like, it, why, are we, why are they doing this? Why are they doing this? And at the time, it seemed like that, but ultimately, he was never really the same after leaving Saskatchewan, so I don't think there's as much of a, a lament over the loss of Keith Shulligan at this point. But Zach Evans, if they play their cards no. right, it completely changes so much that happened over the next few years that in in large part played to this team's downfall. You look at, you have Zach Evans. So hypothetically, in 2014, or 2014, before that draft, they protect Zach Evans in the second round because they lost a Canadian and now they can add a few more guys. Then, in 2015, yeah. they draft a couple Canadian kids on defensive tackle and they forced them to come in after, in 2014, going with a couple of Americans at defensive tackle. The new Americans just didn't work. So then they said, okay, we're going to go back mm -hmm. to Canadian with Rory Connop and these guys, and they just weren't ready. So if you had Zach Evans all nope. along, then all of a sudden you have Zach Evans, you have Rory Connop, and you have these other guys, and they have time to grow and develop behind Evans, and maybe it, compl it completely changes a lot about what happened defensively for the Riders that year. So what you're saying is there's a bizarro universe in which the Riders kept Zach Evans and it led directly to the Grey Cup last year. Uh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but they certainly wouldn't have been the worst <laughs> team in the league in 2015. Now, of course, a lot changes. Uh, the entire spectrum changes if uh, the Dan Clark and everyone here on the offensive line hears that whistle in Winnipeg and Darian Durant doesn't blow out his arm. That team maybe goes on yep. to do something, and then who knows where they go from there. But, you know, what's done is done. But I think that Zach Evans one was a personnel decision that really could have been avoided with a little more forward thinking rather than, oh, well, we need to shed some salary. We'll just put some Americans there. It'll be fine. Well, and, and that's exactly it. I mean, that Ryder team seemed to have a game plan for winning the 2013 Grey Cup. And it was just after that, it was... Uh, we have no idea what we're doing, and it was the the plan just was not put together. Um, I'm starting to see that this Ryder team is planning on being a quarterback's nightmare 
probably with three defensive linemen all season long. So now you've got the two Americans on the edges. You've got Evans in the middle. This is, you even said it during our last pod, you know, they just need somebody to come down the middle and play that uh, that tackle mm-hmm. spot. And, and Joel, they went out and got him. He's a Canadian. It's even better. They've righted a wrong. It's I love that signing. I do. Uh, the Again, quite big for me, the biggest question mark, Mwamba's gone. I love the signing of Zach Evans because, again, what did we say? We're what did we say last week is going to be a need? We said a, a defense, a, someone along the defensive line to really be that that middle guy, mm-hmm. and we said they needed Canadians. They did it with one move. Yeah, they did it with one move, and basically their entire free agency thought process revolved around Canadians for the most part, and that's that's really good. I think that's that's what they had to do because the drafting hasn't really worked out for them, and there's still another draft yep. coming up, so there's a chance to make a difference there once again, but they had to sign Canadians, and they did. Now, there's still some question marks going for this team, and there's some holes to fill that we'll talk about in a little bit, but I think another move that they made that is kind of maybe a little under the radar in terms of its importance because of the uh, let's say, unheroic role he plays on this team. Mm-hmm. And that's the signing of fullback Spencer Moore. Now, yep. I know he's not hes not flashy. He's not going to go out there and produce a 1,000 yards of offense for this team. But I put nope. him down on the, uh, at the start. When the free agent list came out, I said five players the Riders have to resign. And the bulk of them, it was four Canadians and Deron Carter. <laughs> and one of those guys was Spencer Moore because I look at him and I say, okay, he's not flashy. He's not going to be on highlight reels, but... He does the little things. He can block. He plays special teams. He kind of fills... He's kind of a poor man's Neil Hughes at this point. He doesn't quite run the football. He does a little more running pattern kind of uh, things yeah. when he does get out there. So I think that was a, a quiet, important signing for this team to make sure that you have the continuity, you have the veterans on special teams where we know a lot of younger guys and rookies tend to end up before they start playing as regular down players. Oh, oh, certainly. And Spencer Moore, you, you hit it on the head there. You know, he's he's a great blocker, and I always think you need that, especially when you're going to have a running back with like Jerome Messam, who, although being quite large and a very large and powerful human being, isn't exactly known for his blitz pickups or blocking or anything like that. If you take a if you watch Spencer Moore before the camera, or watch him live. Like when you're at a game at New Mosaic, watch him live. Watch him pick up those guys that are coming after his quarterback watch him know when he can release when he can get free to kind of be that release valve in case things are going sideways you're right he's never going to win an mvp award but i mean he's got the right passport he's doing great things for the team he's on specials he's just he's one of those glue guys that that i think saskatchewan has had a habit of kind of letting go and i'm glad to see that they're they're keeping him around you're right to me it is totally uh, underrated and, you know, he's also very good in the community. Now, that's not something that's going to make or break a signing, but it's important to keep those guys around, too. He clearly cares about this province. He cares about the people here, and he wants to give back as much as he takes from here with his, you know, his salary and his, his celebrity status somewhat because he's a Saskatchewan Rough Rider and all that. So he takes what he does here very seriously, and I, I think that's great. Um, the other signing uh, that happened around that same time was Dan Clark. Now, that one, I think there's maybe a few more question marks around it. I think you had to make the signing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You're not, there isn't a better center on the market right now, per se. So if they think there's someone internally that can push Dan Clark, I think that could be something that might be interesting to watch this year because he had a bit of a down year at times last year. There was a lot of people questioning whether Dan Clark is a starting setter in this league anymore. And so maybe he gets a little kick in the butt this year. Maybe there's some pressure coming from someone from behind, and that might be a spot where, you know, maybe something down the line happens. 
Well, and, and or even you look at when Brendan Labatt moved over to center. Brendan Labatt's played a lot of center in his CFL career. Now, I know he said in interviews, and I know he said personally that playing center is not his favorite thing. He'd rather be somewhere else along the offensive line. But there there again, I thought the Riders looked good when Labatt was filling in at, mm-hmm. at center. I, I think Dan Clark is, is the kind of guy, as you said, there's nothing, there's no other Canadian offensive lineman that's out there that you can say he is a vast improvement to Dan Clark. It was a necessary no. signing. Yeah. Um, it's funny, back to Spencer Moore, in the community for a moment, though. Um, I can tell you that my mother and father-in-law once randomly met him at a Humpty's in Prince Albert, where they had perhaps the least well-publicized like rider signing ever. They literally walked in for breakfast. They were there for my niece's dance festival. They walk in for breakfast, and there's two or three riders just sitting there. There's, like, no fanfare, no signage. There's, like, a little thing that says... Welcome, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So, again, Spencer Moore took the time. He, he talked about the team with my father-in-law, who's a diehard rider fan. Uh, took pictures with, with everybody, with the family. It was actually really cool. You know, it just it's just reminded me, though, of the most depressing rider appearance everywhere. Because normally, anywhere <laughs> you go in this province, it's like they're swarming. They just walked into a Humpty's and had some brunch with... Spencer Moore and a couple others so isn't that like um, the most CFL thing ever I'm surprised that they didn't just film that and make that their commercial instead of that awkward Weston Dressler one the the awkward Weston Dressler one (laughs) or now the one with all the stock photos of different people eating don't forget about that it's like random stock photos of like two old people giving a thumbs up and all of a sudden they're they're humpty stars i wonder if they if you could ever find those models and let them know that they are canadian superstars because of those humpties ads well western canadian superstars at that even like western canadian and cfl markets superstars for people that watch a lot of curling specifically so that means like me you and everybody that's 80 well and john hodge of three down nation as well Yes, yes, because, you yes. Know, we're, we're in talks to potentially launch eight end nation for our yes. curling. <laughs> at, at, the, at the Briar, we're all going to crash at Joel's and we're going to start eight end nation. And uh, hey, I think it could be, you know, a nice little side project for all of us CFL guys. Yeah, why not? I mean, sometimes there isn't a whole lot to do during the winter and, and there's always curling. There always is curling. And uh, uh, until free agency hits, then I guess we got to go back into football mode a little bit. Yeah, probably. I guess so. So one of the, I guess, uh, one of the other interesting angles of something that happened to the riders in the in this one in, in this free agency period, and it wasn't a shock at all, was Nick Dembski signing in Winnipeg. I think everyone mm-hmm. in dog saw that one coming. Not only because he's from Winnipeg, but I don't think there was much interest, probably mutually, for this relationship between the riders and Dembski to go forward. And so I wasn't surprised. No. There isn't really much to say there. What surprised me was the amount of money he got. When I saw that report from Duncan, I was like, really? Because I, uh, Dembski has some skills. Yeah. He's fast. He can return. But he shut up. I, I don't see him as a starting receiver in this league. I just don't. But I do. I, I've, I've watched him, and he's been a guy, and I've been saying this for years, and I, think, I feel like one day I'm finally going to be proven right, and I'll be able to look up the old tape. When I used to do sideline reporting for the University of Saskatchewan Huskies, Nick Dembski was the one guy that absolutely stood out. There's three guys I remember um, from my time doing sidelines. Dembski was one of them because you had to game plan a way to stop him. Uh, there was also the the kid from Calgary that ended up going playing for the Cincinnati Bengals for like went to training camp or Sean Simon eyes. I remember him. And then also the Manitoba Bison that's down in the NFL as well with the almost unpronounceable name. Those are the three <laughs> guys I just remember watching on Yamada. Yes, of course. I, I knew that one. 
Oh, I, I, I just remember watching those three guys. Did you going, have a, do you wow, have a producer in your ear right it. now? Because I don't. Because I didn't hear the correct pronunciation <laughs> in my ear. So. <laughs> it's called concussion brain. It just pops in there sometimes. So the funny thing is, Simon Eyes got busted for using drugs, and now he's off the face of the earth. Anya Mata is in the NFL doing, you know, actually playing for the Saints. And Nick Dems the only one of those three guys that I ever saw that hasn't busted out yet. Now, I don't know if it's, he's going to get a chance and he's going to get paid like a starter to play in Winnipeg and, and Paul Lapolis is going to do some magical stuff. So, I think, I don't think the Riders are going to regret not signing him because, as you mentioned, Joel, I think there is lots of mutual interest for that relationship to end. But I do think that, that this might be the year that given a chance to shine and be the guy that he might actually, you know, do well in Winnipeg. He might do well. I just, I, I don't know. He, I know he has all the skills, and but just because you've done it at the university level doesn't mean you can do it as a pro. We've seen tons of guys do that before, and I don't know. I, I know the skills are there, but he's just one of those guys. I look at him, and I'm like, and I watch him, and I've watched him enough over the years where he has his moments, but he's rarely strung it together for a long period of time. He either then fades off or an injury happens, which I'm not going to get into the whole injury-prone thing about guys because that's that's freak luck and you can't do anything about it. And I yeah. just, I, there's something about him. I just can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe I'll be wrong. It would not be the first time that he, maybe he does become a quality starter in this league in Winnipeg. Maybe Matt Nichols and the offense there and Paul Bapolis is the answer he's been looking for. But I don't know. I just don't see it. I just don't. Especially well, at, I, especially at that I, money. Well, and, and at that money, though, too. But, I mean, I think Winnipeg absolutely needs a starting receiver, a uh, starting Canadian receiver. Yeah. He's going to be that guy. And, and and I think, you know, Winnipeg's got some guys that he won't be seeing the toughest toughest opposition all the time. And, I mean... He didn't hear he, either, though. Saskatchewan almost... No, but what I mean is Saskatchewan almost had too many guys that he wasn't seeing the field enough, right? I mean, when you've got Carter and Grant and, and Bag and everybody out there, he's just not seeing the field. I think in Winnipeg, he won't be seeing a lot of the top defensive like top defensive backs on him, but he will be seeing his 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 chance because I mean, he's way better than anything like Julian Fidoli Gadino or whoever they have. And <laughs> here we are in a rider podcast back in Winnipeg. At all? Oh, no, don't bring that up. <laughs> Bring that up to a Blue Bomber fan that hosts a Ryder podcast. Yuck. Yuck, Joel. What can I say? Although I did get an intriguing text from you today. Yes. Where you were forced at gunpoint almost. Well, not really. Not gun quite. Point, but That's a little. Maybe, maybe if I was in the States, but I mean, we're in Canada, so it was. I was politely asked to do something. Fair enough. You were politely asked to make a Grey Cup pick. And who was that pick, Joel Gasson? Well, okay, so the story goes. My best, one of my best friends, his dad is a realtor in Ottawa. He's currently selling my parents' house. That's besides the point. But he he speaks at this conference every year, I think, or something like that. And normally he would speak about the real estate market in Ottawa because that's what he does mm -hmm. for a living. Well, apparently someone else is talking about that this year. So being a sports fan like us, he asked he's asked a bunch of people he knows uh, that know stuff about different sports to write a little bit of his speech for him, basically, about different levels, of, <laughs> about different types of sports. So he asked me, naturally, to give my thoughts on what's going to happen on the CFL season. Now, this was when I was in Ottawa a few weeks ago. He asked me the first time, and I was like, Ugh, Rocco, it's, it's February. It's January at the time. I, I don't know what's going to happen yet. Like, how yep. can we make these predictions yet? This is absurd. I'm like, can I at least wait until free agency opens a little bit? I know it might be a little tight on your timeline, but can I at least wait until free agency opens so I have some kind of idea? 
he's like, okay, yeah, no, that's fair. We can wait. And I'm still just like, okay. And a few days and days pass. I'm like, I'm kind of hoping maybe he forgot. And yep. I get an e- email from him the other day, you know, updates on the house, blah, 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 blah. Oh, by the way, you know, can you do this little write-up on the CFL? And I was like, oh, fine. Free agency <laughs> opens tomorrow. I'll go ahead. We'll go through with this. And then so I started racking my brain because this is far too early to be thinking about this kind of stuff. But here we are. Absolutely. This is what happened. So I was kind of, I went through both divisions. I was like, I think in the East, you've got, as it stands right now, in my opinion, Toronto and everyone else. Hamilton might be able to give them a run yeah. if if Mazzoli and Jones can adjust to what's coming at them now that all the other teams have watched a ton of film on them. So maybe, yep. maybe there's something there. I think Hamilton, Ottawa's not really impressed me that much in free agency, though they did sign Kyrie Bear today. So that might help their chances defensively because that's kind of where I'm a little iffy on them. And Montreal is getting better defensively, but their offense is still going to be a tire fire. So I don't know how you could believe in them. So I got Toronto yep. in the East. I know, not that bold, not that crazy, nothing worth talking about on a podcast at this time of year. Then I got to the West, and I was like, the West? (laughs) Because every team has made some pretty good moves at this point. Every team has lost some guys. So you could make, I think, a fair case for just about all five teams, even the BC Lions, because I don't think they're as bad as they were last year. No, I would agree. In the grand scheme of things. You could make a, a legitimate argument that all five of them have a chance to win that division. And it's almost impossible to pick the fifth that isn't going to make it because I think the crossover is going to be a thing again this year. I would agree. So I was like, okay. I started thinking about a little bit more, a little bit more. And then I made probably what might end up being either the dumbest or smartest decision of my life, (laughs) at least in terms of the CFL. And I said, you know what? This feels like now or never for the current incarnation of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Oh, wow. So... And I know the Ryder fans aren't going to want to hear this. And I think the Riders are definitely in the conversation, as is the entire West Division. But I was yep. like, yep. I was like, I think if they're going to do it, Winnipeg has to do it this year. And especially if I think if they do what they should do and figure out cap-wise how to get Hinoch Mwamba in that defense, then, it, 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 then, that they're, has to be a no-brainer. then they're instantly in that conversation. They've been progressing a little bit every year. So why not? This should be the year. I said at the end, bold prediction, the Bombers win their first cup in 300 years as they beat the Toronto Argonauts in Edmonton. Huh. Well, that is, uh, okay, now you've jinxed the Bombers. Absolutely. So I'm going because for the record, after the, in, the BC, in the Three Down Nation opening piece last year where we did all the predictions for across the league, well, what yep. we thought was going to happen, I was all in on BC. I thought the Lions, led by Jonathan Jennings, were, you know, he was going to progress. He was going to be the MOP. They were going to make a big run at it, and, well, <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best description of that prediction of yours I've ever heard. So yeah. I'm going to reverse jinx your jinx somehow and <laughs> double-pick the Winnipeg Blue Bombers because, what is it, two negatives make a positive? Isn't that math or something? That sounds kind of smart, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a numbers guy that's what i do for a living but uh yeah i'll also pick winnipeg and uh for everything you said i'd also agree with the toronto argonauts uh, out east unless unless mark tressman out of nowhere accepts an nfl job yeah i, I guess there the, that has been talked about a little bit but i think that's kind of scaled back a little bit i mean how could you bet against toronto right now when they have ricky ray and james franklin plus a pretty good yeah. defense and a good offense like everything is there to suggest that they could go again, and not to forget the fact that Mark Trestman and Jim Pop actually have an entire offseason this year where they didn't last year. 
Yeah, and well, and, and two, you look at the fact that like it, it seems like like the little quickie trade, like what like with Hughes going to Hamilton, and then all of a sudden back to the West. It's like good players just find a way back to the West Division. I'm with you. You can make a case for any one of the five teams. I mean. <laughs> The West Division is going to be, and and even in free agency, as all West Division teams just keep loading up and loading up and loading up, like it is the ultimate murderer's row this year. I can't wait. I, I, I and I and I am one of these guys that absolutely hates the hashtag. Is it June yet? But I am. Well, you have to wait till June this year. Oh, that's right. Is it May yet? It's gonna be. It's gonna be. By... Yeah, I can't believe nice. we're actually on the same thought there. That's that's kind of freaky. That's. Well, maybe that's why we've survived three episodes, Jewel. Well, maybe maybe we'll see a fourth. We don't know when that's going to be because, I mean, at this point we're in off-season mode and it's kind of, eh, something's enough happened. Sure, we'll get on the computer and talk, I guess. Sure, and that's, and that's what we do. And I'll just sip my delicious Fort Gary Rouge while we do that, speaking of all things Winnipeg. Yeah, a little Fort Gary Rouge. And uh, today I was, uh, I took something from your neck of the woods, actually. Ooh. This uh, brought home a nice little growler of uh, Prairie Sun Mad Hopper IPA. Ooh, that does sound delicious. It and is once delicious. again, we were fueled by craft beers and uh, free agency talk. Yeah, so until next time, I guess, because I think we're pretty Whenever. much done here. Yeah, we're, we're done. High five. We'll, we'll be back. Uh, feel free to hate on us in the comment section. It just fuels my love. I don't sure. know what that means. I, I have no idea. What, <laughs> I don't know what you did there. I might I might hate on you on the comments for that one alone. <laughs>